0: Confidence is an interesting thing. For some people, it can take years to build confidence, and for others, only moments to be destroyed. Perhaps there have been people in your life that have helped you build your confidence, and then there have been other people in your life that have destroyed your confidence. But throughout this series, we're going to be asking the question, how would your confidence look different if you truly believe God was with you? How would your confidence look different if you truly believed that the God of the universe, the creator God was on your side? How would this change your relationships? How would it affect your interactions at work? In what ways would we change kind of our daily lives if we really believe that God was with us? Before Jesus left the earth, He gave his disciples, his followers, one more mission to accomplish. He gave them one more mission, and he gave them purpose, and then he gave them confidence to accomplish that mission. And that mission and that purpose, it has not changed in 2,000 years. And the mission is simple. Share God's love with others. This is is the mission. It's simple. We overcomplicate it sometimes, but this is the mission of somebody that's chosen to follow Jesus. Share God's love with others. And Jesus explains this in Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open Matthew chapter 28. Matthew is is the first book of the New Testament, second half of your Bible, Um, and then go all the way to the end of Matthew. There are Bibles on the seat backs in front of you, or you open up the Bible app on your phone, or uh, it'll also be on the screen. But Matthew chapter 28, this is what's known as the Great Commission. Jesus' final command to his disciples and to his followers. Je- uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, and this is what it says. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, that's a little bit of confidence boost for them. Like, I've been given the authority of heaven and on earth. Now, here comes the mission. Here comes the commissioning. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Here we go. One last piece of confidence. I want to remind you. I want to encourage you with this mission. This is Jesus' final words to his followers. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus gives them three things. He says, listen, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them what I taught you. It's it's beautifully simplistic and yet can become so complex because we're human, because we're, we're interacting with other humans, because we have feelings, we have family histories, we have different relational dynamics, we have socioeconomic divides, we have different beliefs. And at every turn, we have someone trying to sell us something or shape us into something. This is why it gets so complicated. And it's why three simple commands can just feel impossible and overwhelming. And then to top it all off, we, maybe we hear these commands and we're like, I, what does this even mean? Like, what do you mean baptizing them and teaching them? And what does it mean to make a disciple? And where do I, where do I start? So today, here's what we're going to do. I, I want to break down each of these commands. These three simple statements. And I want to look at what it means to to share God's love with others by discipling, baptizing, and teaching what Jesus taught. Okay, so first, let's start with verse 9 where Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, before we can do that, what is a disciple? Like we can't go and make them if we don't know what it is. So what is a disciple? Well, another word that we could use in place of a disciple is apprentice. Go and make apprentices of Jesus. It's kind of like, do we have any welders or plumbers or electricians in the room? Right? Any, yeah, okay, we got a couple of you. you. You go and you apprentice under someone to learn from them to be like them. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, in biblical times, when it came to religious disciples, there were actually three levels, okay? This is what it looked like to become a disciple of someone in biblical times. So the first level was grade school, okay? Now, here's what I want you to imagine if you have kids in grade school. Uh, these kids would go and they would memorize the Torah, the entire first five books of the Bible, by age 12. By age 12. We got any 12-year-olds in the room? Get started, okay? Let's go. By age 12. Now, most kids, like, that's as far as they would go. That's, that's typically where most kids would stop. But if you were really good, if, if you did that and, and the religious leaders saw a little bit of like promise in you or or saw something in you, then you would go to level two, which was the house of learning. Now, the house of learning was for 12 to 15-year-olds, and what they would do is they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament. 12 to 15 years old, they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament. All 39 books would be tutored by the best... So just to give you like a a, a picture, like they're memorizing this much of the Bible by age 15, okay? And they would have the absolute best teachers and and that would come alongside them and be coaching them and teaching them and mentoring them. And then only the cream of the crop, only the best of the best, then move to level three. In level three was they would be asked by a rabbi or a religious teacher to come and have an interview with them. And the interview, they would just get grilled. This is 15 years old. 15 years old, the religious leader, the the rabbi, would grill them with questions. Question after question after question, and they would have to answer all of these questions. And if they answered enough questions right, the rabbi or the, the teacher would look at the student and say, come and follow me. And so if you, if you made it all the way through the three levels, you essentially had three goals once you were following a rabbi. The three goals were to be with your rabbi, to become like your rabbi, And to do what your rabbi did. So a a disciple is someone who spent time with a teacher, became like a teacher, and then did what their teacher did. And I would contend that this is exactly what Jesus calls his disciples to do and be. This is what Jesus says his disciples should be. They should be with him. They should do what he did. They should become like him. And so this first part of Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, Jesus says, go and to make disciples, to help people be with Jesus, become like him and do what he did to be disciples or apprentices of Jesus. And we actually, if you're interested in learning more about what that looks like in an everyday life, I'm going to encourage you to join our, our elective called Practicing the Way. That's all about those three things, being with Jesus, Becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. That, that meets on Monday night, starting in just a couple weeks. And so that's, that's what it looks like. What is a disciple? Well, it's, it's being with someone. It's becoming like them and it's doing what they do. And then Jesus moves on to verse 19 where he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, Maybe you've heard of baptism before. or Maybe you were here last weekend when we baptized 11 people here in West Bridgewater. It was an incredible Sunday. Or maybe you weren't here and you're like, I've heard of baptism, but like, I don't really know much about it. Like, why do you do this? What, what is baptism? Well, I love how the Apostle Paul explains it to the early church in Rome. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, this is what Paul says. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So baptism is a powerful symbol of the gospel of Jesus. That, that Jesus was buried for three days, okay, so Just imagine there's a baptismal, that's you being dunked underwater, and then he was raised back to life, and that's when we bring somebody up out of the water. It it is an outward expression of an inward change that has occurred in someone's life. That's what baptism is. It's a choice that that you make, not, not your parents, not your grandparents not your friends it's a decision that you make to show people that the old you that the person before you started following jesus that person is going underwater and they ain't coming back up the person that comes up out of the water that new person the apprentice of jesus that is who comes up out of the water baptism is not what saves you but it shows everyone that you have been. That's what baptism is. And so Jesus tells his followers, listen, once someone chooses to be my disciple, then your next step is to baptize them underwater. And we see this happen, actually, a beautiful picture in Acts chapter two, where it says Peter preaches this incredible sermon about Jesus. And then it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized, and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And so in this verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, Peter and and these people, they accomplished two out of the three parts of the Great Commission. Right? So Peter comes, he preaches, they hear about Jesus, and they're like, I want to follow this guy, I want to apprentice him, I want to be a disciple. Right? And then they go and they baptize them. So they, they've done the first two parts, but there's still one more part when it came to Jesus' final command. One more part. Verse 20, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given them. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. I have given you. Now, I, I love the Apostle Paul. He, he understood this in, in such a beautiful way. He, he understood this to its core, what this looks like. And he writes to the early church in the city of Corinth, and he says this, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Like, if you want to learn what it looks like to follow him and to do what he did and to obey his commands. look at my life i'm going to show you what that looks like and i think this this third part can be the hardest part for us to do because we live in a day and an age where we want things now Like, I've gotten to the point, guys, it's getting bad. I've gotten to the point where if Amazon isn't overnighting my thing between 4 and 8 a.m. the next day, I'm upset. I'll skip. I'll skip it till I find that. I'm like, no, two-day shipping, that's too long now. Give me the 4 to 8 a.m. the next day. We want things now, much like Veruca, the girl that turns violent in Willy Wonka. Daddy, I want it now. I won't sing the song. I'll spare you guys. We want people to start following Jesus and then, boom, that's the end. You're good. Like, you're, you're completely transformed. All you have to do is say yes to following Jesus and everything's done. But that's not what it looks like. Helping people to learn how to become a disciple of Jesus, it takes time. And, and I can prove it to you. Jesus himself. greatest teacher, God in the flesh to ever walk the earth. He spent three years with his disciples and they still got it wrong. They still messed up. They still struggled. And they have the greatest teacher to ever walk the face of the planet. It might take us some time to teach people what it looks like to obey Jesus's commands. But we have an example to point to. This is what Paul was saying where he's like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul said, we have the example in Jesus. You want to learn how to obey him? Look at what he did in his word and then imitate that. I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And this is what he said. It's only because he became like us that we can become like him. It's only because he became like us, we can become like him because we know what it looks like. Jesus tells his followers, your first task is to help others find their way to me and then help them be more like me. Jesus isn't looking for more converts. He's looking for more disciples. He's looking for more disciples who will feed the poor. Who will care for the sick. Who will love the marginalized. Who will be generous givers of their time, their resources, their money. Who will stand up for the oppressed. Who will bring peace, not division disciples who will pursue justice and ultimately disciples who are passionate about sharing God's love with others the same way that Jesus did. And these are the things that Jesus taught. And maybe this morning maybe you're, you're new to following Jesus, like this is something that's it's new to you. And if that's you, I want to encourage you. We have a, a, an elective called Foundations 101, and all it is, is it's for baby Christians, brand new believers, you just started following Jesus, maybe you got baptized last week, and you're, you're looking to learn, like, I don't even know where to start when it comes to the Bible, and so this Foundations class, it meets on Thursday nights starting next week, and I would encourage you, go to our website and sign up for it today, if that's you, because we want to, we want to show you what it looks like to, to obey what Jesus said. To open up, learn how to read your Bible. So now the question moves from uh, away from the like what and the, the how, and now it moves to the where and the who. So okay, we know what we need to do, but now where do we go and, and who do we do it with? Well, Jesus answers these questions in Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations of all the nations. And then in Acts chapter 1, the author, Luke, actually expounds on this even more. He gives us a clearer picture of what does that mean, of all the nations. This is what Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 9 says. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We'll talk about that next week. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Here we go. Here's the the where. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him So not only does Jesus tell us what to do after he leaves, he tells us where and how to do it. And here's what we need to do. We need to start local and we work our way to global. Okay? We need to start local and work our way to global. Followers of Jesus, your responsibility is to be a witness and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them everything Jesus taught everywhere you go. God's love, listen, this is so important for us to uh, understand, especially in the, the current culture that we live in. God's love is not reserved to a specific people group. God's love is not reserved to a specific political party. God's love is not bound by borders. God's love is not just for the rich. God's love is not just for the poor. God's love and the new life that Jesus offers are available to anyone that would choose to accept it. Anyone. And I love how Jesus frames this for his followers by using Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And we can actually still use this model. Okay, here's what I mean by that. Jerusalem is your local context. Jerusalem is your local context. This is where the disciples lived in Jesus' day. It's your town. It's your job. It's It's your city. It's the closest spheres of influence that you have. And Jesus says, you have to start here. You have to start here. Start with your local context. To to paraphrase Paul, he writes to the early church in Rome and he says, how can your friends and family call on Jesus to save him unless someone tells them about him? And so we need to start local. Start in your closest spheres of influence. And then once you've gotten really good at that, then think bigger. Judea, right? So we have Jerusalem, then Judea. Judea is your state. It's your state. What would it look like for you to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them what Jesus taught in your home state. Have have you ever actually dreamt about this? Have you ever thought or talked with your local pastor about what this looks like? If we really believed that God lives with us and offers us His power through the Holy Spirit, we should have confidence that God wants to see more than just our local community transformed. He wants to see our state transformed into disciples of Jesus. He wants to see Massachusetts, the whole state, come to find and follow Jesus. And this is when Jesus starts to push us to think beyond our closest spheres of influence. And He starts to say, listen, Think of Judea. Maybe that's neighbors or or coworkers or parents on your kid's soccer team or your local barista. What does it look like for you to share God's love with them? What does it look like for you to share Jesus with them? And then we move to the last big challenge that Jesus gives. And that's Samaria. Samaria. Now, Samaria is your region and beyond. So, for example, we live in New England. Like, this is, this is our region. And we're proud of it, right? We are proud that we live in New England. Did you know that this region used to be known for its rich spiritual life? Did you know that it was a hub For revivals, for churches, for the second great awakening. Did you know that tens of thousands of people would travel here just to hear and see what God was doing in New England? Did you know that? Now, New England, we're known for being far from God. We're known for being distant. In faith, the spiritual temperature, if there was a spiritual temperature when it came to God, it would be cold. But. That temperature, I believe, is on the rise. And this New England, this is our. This is our Samaria. And man, a long I long to see our Samaria transformed. I long to see God once again work in signs and wonders and transformation here in our region like He did before. This is why Grace Church exists. We don't want to just build bigger buildings, we don't want to just get comfortable here. This, the mission is too great. We want to start churches all over this region because New England is hungry and desperate for something more. I want to do everything I can in this life to be used by God as an instrument to make that happen. There's another way we can look at this too. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus uses Samaria at the end because Samaritans and Jews did not get along. In fact, they hated each other. And so step out of the region for a second. Step out of New England for a second. Who are your enemies right now that you need to love better? To have more compassion for, to share God's love with more because I also think Jesus could have been challenging his followers saying, listen, Don't just do this and love and make disciples and baptize and teach them. Don't just do that with the people that are easy to love. Who are the people you hate? They need need God's love just as much as the people you love. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. A follower of Jesus has one mission in life. Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them what Jesus taught in every corner of the world. And that's how we share God's love with others. So, so how, do we, how do we do this? Well, I th- I, first of all, I think it's just easy to get distracted from that mission. Like, I think we can let other things Push out the one mission Jesus gave those that follow him. So maybe today your reminder just needed to be what Jesus has commissioned you to do. To go and make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them what Jesus taught. Well, Brandon, isn't that what your job is? I, I, I've gotten this question before. Like, it, isn't my job just to get them to church? Well, I don't remember Jesus saying, just get them to church and let your pastor do the work. I don't remember that in Matthew 28. You have a responsibility if you've chosen to follow Jesus to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them what Jesus taught in the same way that I do. We just do it through different avenues. Robert E. Coleman wrote a book called Master Plan of Evangelism and he he talks about this great commission, this great mission that Jesus gives. And I love this quote. And it might come across you and be like, whoa. But I love this quote. He says, We must always remember that the goal is world conquest. The goal is to see everyone we know find and follow Jesus. Because that's what Jesus says. Go and make disciples to all the ends of the earth. Everyone you know. And he goes on to say, Robert Coleman, he says, people are looking for demonstration, not an explanation. Let your... Actions show people who Jesus is. Let your words show people who Jesus is. Let your life be so different that people ask you, Why do you live this way? And then you tell them, Because of what Jesus did for me. That's why I live this way. Now, parents, our hope is that this sparks some great conversations with you and your family during the series. Because at pre-K to fifth grade, they're learning the same thing this Sunday. and So while you're driving your kids around this week, maybe ask them, who are some people we can share God's love with this week? Or or maybe each night before before you tuck your kids in and put them to bed, pray with them and say, God, open our eyes to see the people around us who need to know how much you love them. And give us the courage to tell others about you. And then remember this thing as you go into your week. Remember that kids will do what you do. Kids will do what you do. Who are who are some people that you can begin to have intentional conversations with about Jesus so that your kiddos see it modeled for them? Who are those people?